You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 31 of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, one of the attorneys and a partner here at Tagus McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're continuing our discussion on VA benefits. Last week in part one, we gave a general overview on VA benefits and who can qualify to receive them. Today in part two, we're talking about the different types of qualification criteria in more detail. Joining us again is our own Joshua Hunter, a public benefits specialist specialist at Tagus McGinnis Elder Care Law. Welcome back, Josh. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So uh, last week we were talking about a breakdown of the VA, talking about the different pensions, the service-connected and non-service-connected, and obviously we zeroed in on the non-service-connected as the majority of our claims uh, seem to be on that side of things. Uh, And we talked about the net worth and the $129,000 cap, uh, that your home was not a countable asset so long long as it was on acreage less than two acres, or if it was a little bit over, if that uh, acreage is not sellable, essentially not marketable. Um, But there's another side to the qualification, and that's the income side. And that kind of gets to the heart of the non-service connected pension in that most people uh, are, I think, a bit surprised to understand that it's a it's an income reimbursement program, and that reimbursement is for catastrophic medical costs. And we refer to them, the VA refers to them as unreimbursed medical expenses. And so they have this uh, term called the IVAP, and the IVAP stands for Income for VA Purposes, and it, it's very foreboding how what income is the VA county. And so maybe, Josh, you could break down what the IVAP is and why is it so important? Sure. Yeah, of course. So just to give a, a brief review from last week, if you didn't manage to hear that, there are three big things we really need to think about when we're looking into uh, the non-service connected pension. So if you wanted to write these down and write under them, I'll make sure I designate which one I'm talking about here. So of course, you have the wartime and your active period. That's pretty straightforward. And we covered that in the first video. But today, we're really going to break down the different medical and financial requirements. So the IVAP, or the income for VA purposes, like Chris is discussing, really has to deal with the financial requirements. So what they do is they'll start by gathering all of your gross income, right? Everything you make. That's interest income. That's your pension. That's Social Security. If you have annuities, any income, you need to report and think about that. So they start off with your gross income. This is a little math problem for you. Then you're gonna subtract those unreimbursed medical expenses that Chris was talking about. Now, a key thing to note here, they have to be regular and reoccurring medical expenses. Even though you can claim things like your drug expenses, you really don't wanna get into nickel and diming with the VA because they truly struggle with sometimes the simpler math. So when you can really give them those big, regular, reoccurring bills, that makes things a lot easier for you and easier for the VA. 
So you have your gross income minus your medical expenses, and that is what creates what we call the IVAP, the income for VA purposes. And ideally, if we have an individual who makes, you know, X dollars a month, and then your UMEs or those unreimbursed medical expenses can get you down to zero, at the end of that equation, you would qualify for the full pension rate. Otherwise, you take that final number you get after doing your math problem and subtract that from what you were potentially eligible for. So I'm going to give you a little brief example here. So let's say we have Phil who makes $2,000 a month gross. If he has over $2,000 a month in expenses, his IVAP is zero and he would qualify for the full thing, right? But let's say it's only $1,500, so that would leave him with an IVAP at $500. And instead of qualifying for that full roughly $2,200, they would take $500 off of that, right? So he'd be sitting at around $1,700. Now that's me rounding, but you kind of see how that VA math works. And that's, we, there's a term for that, and that's called receiving a partial pension. And the rationale behind the partial pension is the VA is trying to provide the veteran and the veteran's family a floor. And so if I'm a married veteran and I have, you know, uh, $3,000 between my Social Security, my wife's Social Security, and maybe a small pension from my job, and we need to move into an assisted living facility, uh, and that assisted living facility is costing us $4,000, uh, our IVAP there is upside down by 1000 So we have negative $1,000 IVAP. And so what we will do is, because it is zero or less than zero, we qualify for the max pension. Now, what that ensures is it ensures that we're able to stay in that assisted living facility and, and pay for it, afford it, uh, and still have a little money left over. Now, if let's say the our income was 4000 and our medical expenses were 4000 to put that IVAP at zero, that's kind of the VA's goal is that, okay, now this family has $2,200 to, to pay for their usual expenses month to month, is to make sure that they're able to cover these medical expenses and pay for the miscellaneous expenses of life that we all know are there. And if you don't have a negative number, like Josh, in your example, there you have $500. Uh, so what they do is they reduce uh, the pension rate by $500. So you said they'll get $1,700 from the VA plus the $500 that they net because their unreimbursed medical expenses don't take them to zero. And they still have $2,200 a month uh, after their unreimbursed medical expenses are taken care of to right. cover the miscellaneous things. And so it's there to make sure that they can afford that health care. And the, uh, the example I often use, especially with assisted living, uh, pretty common to see a veteran have about 1500 uh, in Social Security a month, and maybe their spouse have about 1000 And so you have $2,500 in income. Well, assisted living facility, 4500 for a married couple. Well, that number that you max out at as a married veteran is right around 2000 And if you look at the math, it really lines up. You add $2,000 to your $2,500, and what you're doing is you're making sure that you can afford to stay in that assisted living facility. So That's they've right. thought about these numbers, and, and the goal is to make sure that these veterans and their families uh, don't go without and certainly don't go homeless 
because they can't afford the medical care that they so badly need. I think we do need to make one key distinction, though, just so all of our viewers understand. Those pension rates we gave in our first um, our first video from last week, or our first podcast, those, those are maxes. So regardless of how negative your IVAP can go, you can sadly only qualify for the max pension at most. So sometimes that's not enough to cover everything. Sometimes it is. But just know that, you know, you're going below zero doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get more. That's exactly right. And that's the, the example I started with where they were negative a thousand and it didn't help them. And so right. there are we, we look to the the VA program is what I like to say. It is one wedge in a, in a much larger pie and it covers a certain uh, uh scenario for veterans. It is not a panacea. It does not uh, solve everyone's issues, but I, I probably would say with veterans, it probably is uh, certainly helping in the 70 to 80, maybe 90% range of veterans. And so, then you have those who have those costs that go so far beyond, uh, then you might be looking at Medicaid. Then you'd be looking at other government benefits out there to make sure that they're taken care of as well. And that's a that's great right. point, Josh. So let's talk about uh, some of the issues that come up. Uh, we've talked about married veterans a lot. So what happens if I'm a surviving spouse, uh, but I got divorced from my veteran? What's that going to mean? That can be a pretty complicated matter, but I think the easiest rule of thumb we're going to tell people is it, it depends but if you left, you know, if you had to leave your veteran, you got divorced or you decided to remarry, you may or may not have put your, your benefits in jeopardy. So this is something regardless of who you're working with to get your pension done. Hopefully that's us. But you want to make sure that you disclose everything about the situation because these kind of things can affect what you get. And, and that's a great point, Josh. And I, I think the starting point, as Josh said, is you have to presume I am putting my benefits seriously at risk. And so if you're going to pursue a divorce for one reason or another, you want to meet with a VA accredited attorney and understand the ramifications, especially because uh, if your divorce is pursuant to abuse, if your divorce is uh, pursuant to abandonment, um, then you have a, a good argument with the VA to maintain your claim. Um, another issue is depending on how old you are uh, will can also make a difference in the case uh, where your spouse just passed away. Way and now you're looking at remarrying, but there are all these different benefits because don't forget, you know, we're focusing in on the service connected or uh, well, we talked earlier last podcast on service connected. Now we're focused in on non-service connected, but not only are there both of those, there's DIC, there's educational benefits, there's vocational benefits, there's all the VA has a ton and each one has a little bit of a different rule. And so you just understand, I wouldn't make any decision too swiftly without getting all the information. You're exactly right. And we always tell our clients that when you make a decision, you want to have the best information in front of you and know as much as you can. Because not only were you going to affect the VA, divorce affects a lot of other stuff in your life and marriage affects a lot of other stuff in your life. So hopefully you're going to be seeking some good advice on those matters anyways. That's right, Josh. So let's say I have $140,000 in the bank, Josh, and I, but I, I, I'm going to need these benefits because my unreimbursed medical expenses are much greater than my income. And so mm -hmm. my net worth has been going down. 
but it's not maybe going down fast enough for me. Could I just, could I give 15 or $20,000 to uh, my son or my daughter to make myself <laughs> eligible? Well, that's a word that makes all of us here in the business recoil a little bit when we hear giving money one way or the other. So our A students from our last podcast will remember that that baseline for this year is 129000 So you're only about ten or 11000 over. Now, depending on what your expenses are a month, that could be only two or three months away from naturally qualifying. But if you had decided to just give that money away, the VA is going to impose a penalty on you. The VA doesn't like any time we give money away that's over that $129,000 limit. And the way that they impose that penalty is by a whole other math problem, of course. But basically think that they take the max pension rate and apply it to how much you gave away. So that $2,200 uh, that an individual could max out on on pension for a veteran would be applied to what you gave away. So using your example, let's say you gave away that $10,000. Well, we're talking about uh, roughly four months there, uh, about five months that they're going to end up potentially penalizing you when you might have been safer just waiting it out. That's right. In the uh, Now, if, if, I'm, if I made that mistake, could I cure my gift? You can, hopefully, depending on who you gave it to, right? So we hear oftentimes that a veteran will decide to, you know, try to give something to their kids because that's what they, where they want their money to go anyways. That's, how they, that's what they've been saving for. But we need to be careful about how we do it. So let's say your kids still had that $10,000. If, if you can prove that I gave this money to my kids and then my kids gives this money back to me, well, okay, that's something we're going to get into. But just to make a long story short, anytime we have to timeline something for the VA, you're kind of setting yourself up for a battle. Because like I said, sometimes they mix up even the simple stuff. So let's just say gifting is a no-no unless you've really got direct advice from somebody on how to do it and how to do it properly. Yep. And we have kind of an old adage we say around here, and that is when you're explaining, you're losing. And so you want your application, your claim to be very clean. Uh, you want it so it is quite obvious that you are eligible. Uh, and when you have these transfers back and forth, the VA is understandably so. They're going to want to shine a light on that and understand what has happened and make sure nothing nefarious has happened, as they should, as is their job, uh, being good stewards of the uh, government's money. Money and taxpayer yes. dollars. And so uh, we want them to do that. And so I think as Josh has alluded multiple times, having an accredited expert, having a VA accredited attorney, a VA accredited agent uh, shepherd you through this process, it makes all the difference in the world. As you said, Josh, at the beginning of episode one, you've been doing this for a few years now and you feel like you're learning something every day. And I, and I will say, uh, to this day, um, I read up every single day uh, on different issues, different evolving issues with the VA and, and unique uh, sets of facts uh, to see how the VA handle them because it is such a big process in such a big system, yes. there are literally infinite number of scenarios that you can see. And so staying on top of that right. uh, and staying as an accredited attorney means that you uh, you continue to educate yourself both formally and informally, and it, it matters a great deal. And then, of course, the VA you know, can choose when and how to evolve. For example, we had that big rule change in October of 2018. So 
ways that you know you plan at one point may be different than how you're going to plan down the road. So that goes back to what Chris was saying in terms of if you have a good claim and you're ready to submit something, it's better to act now and act with good, clean guidance from a professional. That's absolutely right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Josh for joining us again, as always. Thank you all for listening. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.